When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. Uh, so it's time to crawl out through the fallout of yet another game week. With Salah continuing to score and Rotation nailing Jesus like a Roman executioner, there's plenty to discuss. With me tonight is Nick. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Tom. I just got back from watching the fireworks. My time really got railroaded this evening. But you don't want to hear about that. You want to hear us talk about FPL. So we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at WhoGotTheAssist.com. Follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear. Cool. Uh, so today we're going to adopt a slightly different format to the pod. With games coming thick and fast, um, we're not going to be able to keep doing the game week recap because obviously there may be two or three game weeks that have come in between the pods that we can do. Um, so instead we're going to talk about a few topics which are in the meta at the moment, in the discussion in the community, uh, before doing our usual features, the site corner's back, there's Neon Watch back as well, Nick, uh, and then we'll do our community questions at the end. Yes, and thanks very much for the question, guys. So, um, Tom, how was your game week? Uh, yeah, it, it was okay. I got a green arrow, and it's quite a big one. It's a uh, 170k uh, rise green arrow with 60 points. Uh, took a minus four hit, which I didn't need to do <laughs> again. So I took out uh, Vardy for for Wilson, as I said. I, I raged that last Saturday, and then on Thursday I uh, took out Jones, who was ruled out by Mourinho. Uh, and put in Carl Walker. Um, I put in Carl Walker because I didn't want to play Norton. Uh, obviously, I've now got Norton nine points on my bench and Walker with a blank after Huddersfield scored. Uh, but you know, 60 points. I got Kane uh, captain. Uh, Sterling got me the goal, the assist, 13 points, and all three bonus. And uh, Loftus Cheek, Salah, and Richarlison all sitting there with points. So yeah, not too bad. It's just the defence, Lukaku and Wilson let me down. Okay, great. Well, I have to be happy again. I got uh, 64 points, so it's another green arrow. I'm now up to 33k, um, which is fantastic for this uh, period of time especially compared to last year, which I think I was in the complete doldrums at this moment. So, uh, yeah, very pleased. Um, we've, we've actually got matching midfields this week, and, and that yeah. paid off. What we've, um, We were both flirting with Loftus-Cheek and both decided to bring him into our teams last minute. He got a goal. Sterling, you mentioned, goal and assist. Richarlison assist. And Salah, once again, coming up with the goods. I guess the negatives for me was um, Jesus not starting, though he did uh, rock up with a last-minute assist. The Chelsea guys, Alonso and Morata blanking, and also the Otamendi own goal, which was um, very frustrating. But the um, the Kane captaincy, I guess we have to be happy with um, the goal, considering it was quite a low-scoring week for captains, um, with the likes of Lukaku um, only scoring two, even though um, he was playing Brighton. So yeah, I think I think I'm quite pleased with um, 64 points overall. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think you've definitely, uh, you know, survived the <laughs> survived the game weekend. We've came very much the kind of the, the sole survivor amongst the the popular captain choices. Maybe you know a few Agueros here and there, but it was mostly Kane versus Kaku versus uh, Sana actually was was creeping in. Um, but I th- you mentioned Jesus there or Jesus there. Now, I think the first thing we should do is kind of talk about rotation and and what that is. So, relatively coffee asked on Reddit which big players will be rotated over Christmas, and I think that um, this keys into so uh, something we wrote, I think it was on Wednesday last week, where we basically said, you know, we've seen a lot of <laughs> a lot of comments in the community, you know, don't don't transfer this guy in, he could be rotated. There's a big rotation threat around uh, pr- player Y, you know, um, rotation's a big issue. And you know, the more and more I see it, the more and more I think this is actually really like silly because at the end of the day, we know that there's going to be an incredible amount of fixtures. There's 80 games between now and New Year's Day. So that's eight games in five weeks or eight games in 35 days. And I think, you know, Nick, um, we're going to have to just accept rotation. It's going to happen. And, you know, my view is that have, have that bench ready to go. I'm going to try not to be my usual self and react too strongly to, to players being benched and, you know, just try to take it in my stride. What do you think about rotation at the moment? 
Well, definitely. I agree with you completely. I think rotation is going to be happening over the next few game weeks because just because the Christmas um, fixture congestion is insane, we've got midweek games this week. So we're likely to see a lot of rotation. But I think you just have to roll the punches and be prepared because we're all going to suffer. If you've got a, a strong bench next game week, you'll be in, you'll be in good shape. I've got actual um, actually Daniels at the moment is my first sub. He's playing Burnley at home. So if one of my players doesn't play, I'm not going to be too worried because Daniels is just as likely to keep a clean sheet so he'll come in for me I think you've still got Mbemba sitting around haven't you so um, that's a worry I guess but you've still got about I think you've still got 14 players you've had Norton on the bench this week so if one of your players didn't play at all this week then you'd have had him coming in but we're going to see rotation everywhere obviously Manchester City they're the the key team that seem to rotate the most heavily but um, I know that Liverpool also rotated a lot this weekend what with uh, Firmino and Mane dropping out and it could easily be Salah this week and I think I'm prepared for Salah to be dropped and you probably are too yeah um, I I think uh, I'm going to be moving in Ramsey uh, for for Richie, who's the other bench person I've got this week, and then putting RLC probably where he belongs on the bench. I mean, we got the goal this week, but I think that that's kind of going to happen. Uh, be more of a once in a blue moon kind of thing than than a regular thing. I mean, if he does, if he is returning regularly, then that's great. Um, but I, I think I'm going to ha- have uh, have uh, Richie replaced with a, with a player I'm going to want there. Um, but yeah, I mean Salah. If Salah's rotated this week, and we, we, sorry, this midweek, which could happen, um, as as you said. There's quite a lot of fixtures coming up. Firmino and Mane didn't play midweek. Salah did play you know, all of the Champions League game and all of the game uh, yesterday. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. I've, and uh, we just have to we just have to leave. I mean, what's your view on uh, Jesus as well? I mean, are you accepting that one too? Well, I mean, it's it's tough. I'm actually thinking about taking the nuclear option this game weekend <laughs> and selling my uh, two Manchester City attacking options. And it, I know it seems like a bit of a gamble, but I'm, I'm looking to bring in hazards, and I feel like it's this time to turn on the hazard warning lights because he's returning week in week out, and he looks like a great midfield differential. So I'm thinking about upgrading um, Sterling, who played this week and he played in midweek, and I've got a feeling he might not play midweek. So maybe it's maybe it's just a feeling of mine. But I'm going to take him out, and I'm thinking about also taking out Jesus and bringing in. Um, the old warhorse, uh, Glenn Murray, you know, that's the hunting rifle of the uh, FPL world. <laughs> well, well, I guess we're, we're going to come on to kind of cheapy strikers in, in a bit. There's a few questions about that, and I believe that you've got something uh, something on Murray, and I've had a look at them as well. Um, but I, I guess kind of stay, staying on rotation for a moment, I mean, you've, we've, got, we've mentioned these kind of big-ticket players. Um, Jesus and Sterling are definitely going to... Uh, be set sports rotation. Firmino and Mane, we saw that they've had a rest. I mean, what other players do you reckon are going to be rotated over Christmas? I mean, do you reckon we're going to see the likes of Hazard playing every game or the likes of uh, Lukaku playing every game? Well, I think there is a risk as well with the Chelsea um, guys being rotated. And they, they might miss the odd game week. But you, you, like I said, you have to be prepared by having a, a, you know, a, a full bench with players ready to come on if required. I think, you know, Hazard and Morata, they're being purchased heavily at the moment. But with the likes of Pedro, William and Fabregas all bench warming, they, they could easily be victims of the rotation Rad Scorpion. Yeah, I think that we just need to kind of you know, not be institutionalised about it and, and not get go all mad and not panic. And uh, you know, TLDR, end of the day, we both we're both saying just accept rotation. And I think in some ways it makes a lot of things a bit more agreeable because if you don't worry about rotation for every single player, because at the extension of the logic, reducto ad absurdum, every single player is acceptable to rotation because of how packed the fixture schedule is. We saw Scott Dan, for example. <laughs> not play uh, this weekend uh, who was in, uh, in our friend Marco's team and also uh, in Mark from Fans Football Scouts team too uh, so it just goes to prove that you know any player is uh, is potentially a victim at the moment yeah I mean dangerous Danny he looks so deadly in the air the last few game weeks but I think it was a mistake in the last game week meant that Hodgson punished him and also my uh, substitute goalie Spironi so um, yeah anyone is susceptible to rotation this um, game because actually his teammate Sacco that delivered the point in the defence but you know Dan could be back next week and Sacco could be the one that uh, misses out in the midweek fixture who knows we don't know Anyone, I think the, the crux of the matter is anyone can be rotated. Just make sure you're prepared for it. But there's no point, you know, 
over worrying about these sorts of things. Yeah, that makes sense. That moves us on to something a bit related. So, I mean, we've we've seen a, f- a few kind of discussions about about this, and I think it's uh, been something which has go- been going on in the community for a while. But it's the notion of cover, Nick. Uh, so Darren Ho um, asked us, "What do we do with players like Richarlison now the horse has bolted? Uh, do we get them in anyway, or do we ignore them now?" And this kind of leads into the idea of cover. Um, so Richarlison, as Darren says, he's a player who seems to be owned by a fair few kind of engaged players, right? Um, and if you don't own him, like, and Salah is another example, like if you, don't, if you don't own them, do you kind of succumb to the bandwagon uh, and cover them, or do you not? And are we right to be saying the word cover? Um, I think that in this case, covering is is probably the same thing as owning, right, Nick? Like basically, you've got these, these players are hurting you so much. You're so exposed to them if you don't own them that after a while, you've got to just swallow your swallow your pride and just get them in, don't you? Especially with Salah, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. And I think the question is, are you talking about covering players or covering teams? Because they're two different matters. I guess with covering players, with Richarlison, I don't think the horse has, um, the horse has bolted. He's returned now in seven of his last eight games, but his ownership is actually still quite low, at only 19.8%. So it's only one in five managers that still have this guy. So you need to jump on the wagon. This guy is in form he's performing you know fantastically there's only one uh, midfielder that's actually performing better than him currently and that is Salah and you just mentioned him and he's um, he's still only at 45% I guess like just looking at his fantastic returns like if you were kind of chasing points you might have been tempted by Mane but with that sort of decision you'd now be cursing Klopp's name because it's once again Salah that's uh, scoring the points and he just looks on fire and, and you have to bring him in yeah, I think so. I think, you know, he's just looking like a bit of a super mutant, isn't he? Because every single game he seems to be returning or, like, even, you know, the game he missed the penalty, he still managed to get above appearance because he, he nabbed an assist. Like, he looks just so central for Liverpool. I mean, interestingly, with uh, Richarlison and Salah, I did notice that neither of them had elicited, elicited bonus points for us, actually. And again, I looked into the stats and uh, it's, it's mad. Like, Richarlison, as I said last week, the... The distribution was his key letdown. This week, obviously, he did that amazing cross for Andre Gray. Um, but he only attempted 25 passes. And just 14 of those passes were successful, Richarlison. A 56% pass success rate, which is pretty uh, pretty damning. You can see why he lost his bonus. And uh, Salah as well, another culprit of being a bit wasteful. So, 7 attempts he had. And only 20% accuracy. So, he, again, both of these characters... Both both of these guys I think fit into a typology of kind of goal scoring midfielder um, but they seem to be kind of robbing themselves of bonus at the moment well yeah I think to be honest I'm not too concerned about the bonus points if these guys can continue to score and get assists you know you don't need the bonus points they're still in um, they're still scoring you know 7 or 8 points each game weeks alive even up to 15 you know like these guys are on fire who cares if they can't pass the ball they're incredibly quick they're um, you know getting behind defences all the time, getting lots of touches in the box, lots of shots at the goalkeepers. That's what you want to see from your midfielders. If they can't pass for Toffee, who cares if they can dribble it round and, and score, score a goal, yeah. score goals. Um, yeah. So going back to cover, I'd like to talk a little bit about team coverage because um, it's just an interesting point. I was talking about Manchester City. Do do you need an attacking Manchester City asset <coughs> at this point? What, what do you think, Tom? Well, I th- I think we saw today that yes, um, it, it is a good idea. But you know, with, with the two one, and if we didn't have, it was basically Sterling or bust, wasn't it today? And it depends whether at that price is eight eight point eight point zero. I think Sterling is eight point one. Are there yeah. better options you can get, or if you downgrade there, can you upgrade somewhere else, or could you have that slot and upgrade it to Hazard? I mean. It, I think a lot of it depends on your team and where your kind of finances are. But I mean, Man City. If you step back and look at the league, I mean, they're top of the league by quite some margin. They've got some pretty damn good fixtures uh, on the horizon. Uh, they've got Southampton, West Ham, both at home. Then there's Manchester derby, and then it's Swansea. So they've got two really good fixtures coming up. I mean, I know you're thinking of divesting both of your guys, but. I'd be, you know, are you going to be watching from behind the sofa then midweek uh, for that Southampton game and indeed the terrible West Ham on the weekend? You must be, you'd be quaking your boots during that game, surely, if you go through this plan. 
Well, I've still got Otamendi, you know, <laughs> Mr. Otamendi. Yeah, the defensive solidity. Uh, maybe he'll get something. But I mean, Manchester City have had 42 goals, which is more, far more than any other side. They've actually come from 10 different players. We've seen that their strikers can be extremely potent, but they seem to take in turns to play with no real structure when they appear. Sterling, he's, he's obviously the man to own, but previously it was Sane. He actually got a last minute, or actually post-game yellow card, so he only scored one point this game week. David Silva doesn't seem to be the attacking threat he was earlier on in the season. KDB, he's far too expensive to own. Um, and Jason Aguero, they, they swap roles every game week, so it's only really Sterling. And I've, I've just got a feeling Sterling's not going to play. I think it's his time to, to get a rest. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I'm. But I, mean, well, I want to bring in. I want to bring in Hazard. So yeah, I, I guess it's, it must be like the value proposition that basically you've got Raheem Sterling, Southampton, and West Ham. You don't know if he's going to play both of those. Whereas Hazard, you've got Swansea and Newcastle at home, and you probably you, he's probably going to play those given kind of the past history of playing all sorts of games in all sorts of conditions. I remember kind of double game week 37. I think last year we were all thinking he was he was going to be the one rested um, in the second match, and no, he was one who showed up, and Costa was one who was rested. So, I mean, that's kind of uh, he, he's he's just he's just the sort of guy that you're expecting Conte to be playing him whenever he can. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you were telling me actually the other week, weren't you, that like, oh, if you're removing Sterling for Hazard, you're you're taking out your city options. I mean, and the guys just score thirteen points. I mean, oh, I, I don't know about that. Um, I can see it's, I just, it's a little, it's mean. a little bit, bull, it's a little bit ballsy. But you know, I've got to start taking some risks. I've just been sitting. Actually, I don't know if I really need to because I've I've just been sitting with um, two free transfers each game week, and last time I made the exciting transfer of Carroll to Sermon, so I just feel like it's time to, you know, do something different with my team and mix it up a little bit. And I've got an opportunity to to bring in Hazard. He's he's um his his ownership is tiny still, so you know you know we see we know that Hazard has strength. He's got perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, <laughs> agility, and, and luck. So you know he's. He's got all the all the special attributes, hasn't he? And he's a, he's a great asset. Um, to Manchester United as well. Like I haven't had any Manchester United um, players in the last few game weeks, and that's actually paid off because um, I think at one point you were talking about tripling up. You're going to have um, Pogba, Lukaku, and Phil Jones, and I guess that's now you're going to have no um, no United players if you sell Lukaku. Yeah, I mean, uh, Neil Gupta asked about this, and so did Mark Johnson, uh, about going without United and selling him. <coughs> selling Kharki, that is. I don't know, it, it just feels, at the moment, I mean, they've got Watford, uh, Arsenal, and Man City, the next three. And it, it, they, they don't, if they can't kind of turn it on against Brighton at home, I mean, people are, gonna, are saying, oh, you know, Hewton uh, organised them well, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, these guys have just conceded two goals uh, at, at, against Stoke. Um and you know Lukaku at 11.5. He's in the he's in the squad, yeah. But if he can't uh, return at, at a better rate than Morata, who is one million cheaper than him, has the has the same number of attempts, a higher level of involvement. So he's involved in 57% of Chelsea's goals in the last four, compared to just 33% for Lukaku. Um, I, I just don't see the value in having Lukaku there. I mean. We, we can talk about covering teams, and we're kind of that's kind of how this discussion got going. But I just don't see that United are a, a, a kind of a, a, an amazing source of FPL points at the moment. I'm kind of happy to go without them. Um, Kaku, I brought him in for these two fixtures um, for Newcastle and Brighton, and having one goal, no bonus points, and then just appearance points yesterday is very disappointing indeed. Really, given kind of what it looked like he could have done. Um, so yeah, I, I'm happy to go without. I mean, maybe the regret is not having De Gea or something to cover the defence. I'm sure they're going to keep keeping clean sheets. That was the reason I got Jones in, in the first place. But yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm not too upset about that. Whereas I would be upset to be without City. Yeah, I think with the defence, um, Rojo's now back as well. So the only real nailed on defender is Valencia. De Gea, I kind of wish I had him a little bit, but you know. Just hopefully <coughs> Elliot can pull his hair out and, and sort of start getting some clean sheets. I don't know. Lukaku, he's got the Zlatan risk as well. We saw that he's been shuttled off to the wing whenever Zlatan. Um, you know, he, you know who wears the trousers in that relationship, don't you? It's obviously Zlatan and Lukaku. He, he starts 
he's starting to get a bit scared, I think, about um, whether he's that nailed on as the United starter. Well, with his uh, recent performance, he's not, just not getting enough points. Pog was the only one, I guess, um, that I would want. But my midfield is looking so packed at the moment, I have no idea where I'd be able to fit him in as well. So it's looking like I'm going to continue to go without United coverage. Yeah, I, I think that definitely feels, you know, you, you kind of want Lukaku to be that scavenger that's going to get those points, and you want kind of Pogba to be the raider who's going to keep getting you kind of, you know, six to ten points every game. But he just looks like other alternatives, like Sterling, you know, like Morata, like, like Hazard, I guess, for you. It's just better. I guess one of the final things to say on cover is that sometimes covering a unit I think is actually acceptable so remember kind of a Tottenham defence a couple of years ago when you know, you need you kind of had to have whether well, Toby or maybe Vertonghen I mean to- Toby himself got four goals three assists and a pile of bonus like 15, 16 points I think and their defence was just so good that year that you had to have for kind of a route into that defence um, yeah, I because, think Paul Walker as well. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And then Simpson as well for Leicester um, at four point zero got one hundred and twenty points and fifteen clean sheets, which is outstanding value. I think we both owned him, didn't we? Um, but that's another example of how you know you can maybe cover a defensive unit. And obviously the the Brotherhood of Steel, which is the uh, the Burnley defence, is the key example at the moment. Yeah, I think owning a Burnley defender is, is essential at the moment. We saw again, I think they were so close to keeping the clean sheet this oh, game week. I actually, I actually benched Stephen Ward, so I was you know, slightly happy about the, the last-minute Arsenal goal. I'm sure you were, you had mixed feelings considering they're your team, but you were just yeah, hoping I, that Tarko <laughs> would hang on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I did have uh, a couple of moments where I was uh, a little bit upset at that, and then I was... It was kind of you know the usual kind of thing where you're kind of really happy from a from a kind of personal point of view, but unhappy from an FPL manager's point of view because there was nine points and uh, you know I had nine points on the bench as well in Norton and it would have been a it just made it would have kind of justified my decision to bench Norton to some extent if uh, Tarko had gotten that clean sheet and it was him who gave away the penalty as well which is doubly galling. Uh, anyway, uh, should we move on to talking about cheap midfielders then? Yeah, so I think within everyone's team we have to have a cheap midfielder in there just because you, you need to for budget constraints. So um, I wrote an article um, on the website. It was kind of revisiting an article that we wrote over the summer um, about the 5.5 midfielders and who was the best asset. And we, vi- we revisited that article to see kind of like what we said pre-season and um, what's actually happened. So, uh, you know, there were a few uh, issues with our original articles, such as, you know, our focus on Ryan Fraser, for instance. That was a bit of a dud. I think he's he's turned into a bit of an FPL ghoul, I think. The yeah. less said, the better. Um, the two men that have actually really performed, um, I think we mentioned it on the last pod as well, was uh, Chupo Moting and Gross, the guys from the Bundesliga. Um, last week we both saw them get double figure returns with 10 points and um, this week was a quieter one for them but I think what was most actually interesting about this week was a gross ability he got three bonus points despite not actually registering an attacking return and being on the losing side so I, I kind of looked into gross a little bit more he's had um, 27 chances create, he's created 27 chances so far this season um, with the likes of only you know famous assisters like Oetzel, KDB, Fabregas, Silva and Eriksson being the only men ahead of them and also uh, Zerd and Shaqiri actually uh, mm-hmm. but um, in terms of big chances created he's on six which is the same as Kevin De Bruyne there's only a few players above him as well um, in that category and um, actually as well in crosses he's delivering tons of crosses with um, only uh, Brady and Richie ahead of him in terms of crosses. With Brady's now had 104, and Richie's <coughs> had 96. So he's far ahead in terms of crosses that he's delivered as well. So he's he's creating, and they don't they don't count as actual chances um, in the original um, 27 we mentioned. So he's he's creating tons of opportunities for the strikers to get on the back of. And you know who the striker is Glenn Murray, um, six foot two warhorse. Um, he's the he's the main man that Gross is aiming these chances at, and that's why I'm thinking about bringing in um, uh, Glenn Murray because I can't afford it, well, I can't fit uh, Gross into my team. Uh, Chupo Moting, he's the other one I mentioned um, in the article was um, the main man to bring in at 5.5. He offers a very different skill set actually to Gross. He's um, out of position, and he um, offers far greater potential for goal threat. So Chuba Moting, in terms of chances creating, it's quite meagre. It's only 11, and only um, he's only created 21 crosses. But in terms of 
I mean, he's matching Gross for goals at the moment with three. But in terms of goal attempts, he's actually had 35 compared to Gross's 10, which is um, a chance golf attempts every 31.4 minutes as opposed to grosses 109.5 so I think these guys are two um, very good sort of cheaper midfielders that um, we should be looking at right now and if you're thinking about if you're not interested in Richarlison as well we've talked a lot about already these are the guys you should be looking at yeah I mean he's the uh, he stokes uh you know, di- Diamond City asset almost, isn't he? Uh, two promoting. I mean, I- even cheaper than that. I've I've been having a look at uh, the guys who are between a bit less than four point, uh, less than five, and uh, you know, your man Sermon, the man you brought in. I had a look at him because I was thinking, uh, you know, you know, who's the best if you want to get someone in around that uh, around that kind of level? If you want to free up funds, you know, buy Hazard instead of ha- instead of Sterling or something like that, like you are. Uh, so, Mister Mr. Sermon, um, he's only uh, only taken three corners in the last two games. Only had two uh, two goal attempts, and he had one chance created. Four point seven. Uh, okay, that's pretty good. But Will Hughes, an interesting one. So he's he's only played two games so far, but he's got the same number of shots as Richarlison. Uh, actually, no, he's, he's got one bit, one lower than Richarlison. So he's he's taken five shots, whereas Richarlison's taken six. Um, and he's also created six chances, whereas Richardson's only created two. And they both have an assist. At 4.6, he's quite a decent option, actually, I'm thinking. I mean, um, if you do want to kind of go with uh, a, a double pivot of cheap players, as I believe you were playing with a little while ago, Nick, uh, he could be one to kind of think about, even though the next two games are really, really tough for uh, tough for Watford. Um, he could be one to bear in mind. and It seems to be better than the Sermon, who everybody seems to be bringing in at the moment, if they want a cheapie. Yeah, definitely. Will Hughes definitely looks like an option. I did see that his XG this game week was only 0.1, so it could be argued that he's um, actually overachieving. There's also, obviously, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who we both own. Um, I kind of did a comparison between him and Will Hughes, and um, Loftus-Cheek has had 1.3 goal attempts per game compared to 1.2 for Will Hughes. But um, Will Hughes, um, he's creating a chance every 38 minutes compared to Loftus-Cheek's 60 Though with Loftus-Cheek, there's actually been some improvements in his game because I think in the last four game weeks, he's upped it to uh, 51 minutes. So I think um, he definitely looks like a player who's who's getting settled to playing week in, week out in the Premier League and um, definitely a decent option as a fourth or fifth uh, midfielder. Cool. All right. Well, that, that's a few topics kind of covered for for now. Uh, we're going to obviously speak about a few more bits and pieces in the community sections, but I, I hope that was interesting. I hope that was useful for you. And I think we'll keep going with that um keep going with that format uh, for the next few pods but please uh, get in touch with us and let us know what you think about that compared to the recap and uh, yeah let's go on to the features after this break who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's um, time to go through the pod features and the first feature we're going to talk about is the anti-meta team and this is our sort of dark siders team you know packs full of differentials players that people don't tend to own they're kind of going under the radar and we're hoping for um, a good return. I think they've been, they've been doing quite well so far this season. You know, they're up in the top 500k or so. At one point, they were flying high earlier on in the season. Um, they're currently actually at rank 341k, and this week they scored 42 uh, points. And um, their main stars, I guess, were Valencia in defence, another eight-point return. Um, he looks like the Manchester United defender to own currently, even at his own price, which is 6.7, which puts a lot of players off him. In midfield, they've, um, they've had Aaron Ramsey, who um, he got an assist because he got fouled for penalty, so he got six points. And Gilfie Sigerton, finally a goal from Gilfie, seven points. He's been um, in the dark side team since the beginning. Uh, beginning, I think he's one of the sole survivors. He's been doing really well, um, really badly actually, but he's uh, finally got a goal for the anti-meta team. Yeah. And then Vardy uh, rocked up with an assist as well, so good for Vardy. But 42 points overall, that's, that's not very good, to be honest. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with the team this game week. They had uh, Bobby Firmino. He didn't play at all. He's sitting on the bench. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a think anyway and uh, tell you what we do next week in terms of transfers. Um, but one man that only got one point for the anti-meta team, he uh, played this game week. That was Alan Nyom. So I think it, I think it's time for the Nyom watch, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, that's it. So this is our section where we uh, look at all things Alan Nyom. Uh, we're following his fortunes because we thought he was criminally overpriced at 5.0, and we're doing it just to see, you know, 
if he can justify that price of his actions by casting a close eye on him. So, Neon Watch. He started. He played 90 minutes of football. He was booked. More of that later. He had 48 touches. Eight were in the opposition half. He had no shots. He tried 25 passes. 18 were successful. That's 72% for you maths nerds. He tried two crosses. None were successful. That's 0% for you maths nerds. He was mentioned in dispatches thusly. 77th minute, Nyom is cautioned for time wasting. He's now fallen to 4.9. Would you adopt Alan Nyom over Christmas? I don't know. But yeah, that, that, that was his game, Nick. Uh, hashtag Nyom Watch. And as we always say, if you see him down Primark or see him down Tesco, do let us know. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really not really good, is it, Nick? No, it's not been great for Alan Nyom. I'm, I'm still thinking about buying one of those Alan Nyom bobbleheads. So uh, maybe they sell him. <laughs> Down your local game, but uh, yeah, not not great, not great for Nyom this week, unfortunately. Back in the team though, which is always a plus. Um, maybe he can, uh, you know, get in Gary Megson's favour. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, so he's fallen this week. But moving on to the market forces, I mean, this is our section where we use FPL data to describe some of the key trends in the FPL economy. He's fallen. One man who's looking like he is rising, the top of our uh, MTIs this week so far, Alvaro Morata, um, signed by almost 100,000 people, including myself, at the expense of number two, uh, who's uh, Romelu Lukaku, who's been sold by 90,000 people. So a lot of people making that kind of straight swap from Morata, from Lukaku to Morata, right, Nick? Yeah, and it's no surprise. Um, even though Morata blanked, he's just got a fantastic fixture run. He's got Swansea at home, then Newcastle, West Ham, Huddersfield, Southampton, and I think it continues from there as well. And with Lukaku, we talked about him earlier. He's just he's just performing really badly. He's only had one goal and two assists in his last Premier League games, and it's just really not good enough for a man of his price. I think the threat of Zlatan is uh, weighing in managers' minds as well when they're selling him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I'm not too sure Zlatan and Lukaku are going to keep kind of having this face-off. I'm sure that they're going to have to find a way to play together, which doesn't involve Kaku uh, kind of sheepishly being pushed out to the wing. Uh, yeah, you know, you've got to just hope that the the wanderer Kaku is allowed to settle in the middle. Uh, f- the third uh, guy being brought in by managers is uh, Mo Salah, still... Being bought by people, 67,000 have signed Salah, 67,000 people, I'm guessing, you know, the goal was the last straw. I mean, if, if you didn't sign Salah, uh, I, I still find this kind, of, this kind of crazy. Like, if you didn't have Salah, you've missed out on 38 points so far over the last three game weeks, 15, 16 and 7. That's, that's a huge exposure, that's so many points, and you can see why these people are kind of Johnny-come-latelys now, but at 9.6, Salah, uh, Salah's just looking like, you know, he's going to reach the 10.0 or something like that, he's already gone up 0.6, right? Yeah, definitely. He's the top scorer in the Premier League at the moment with 10 goals in his opening 13 fixtures. And he's, he's got great fixtures as well coming up. He's got Stoke, Brighton, Everton, West Brom, Bournemouth. That's a great fixture run. I mean, you potentially talk about doubling up with Liverpool, but Salah, he's, he's definitely a must-own. And, you know, like, I mean, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but it's never too late to get on that Salah wagon. I think if you don't own him, just, just you know... Just own up and just bring him in your team. Just put him in. Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of these kind of issues, a lot of the time when you lose points is because you've been too stubborn to do the obvious move. And that's kind of part of why I did Murata in for Kaku. And that's why probably if you don't have Salah, I'd be looking to get Salah in, even though he may well get rested midweek. But hey, at least you've got it for the long term. Um, so people who are buying Salah look like they may be uh, selling Ericsson, Nick. Yep, Ericsson's being sold, as is uh, Mkhitaryan still. Um, <laughs> Sane as well from Manchester City and KDB. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, those midfielders in Manchester City, perhaps people are starting to wonder about the double-up, whether it's a good idea or not. Ericsson, he, he, he's got... Um, they, Spurs actually have a decent fixture run as well, Leicester, Watford, Stoke, Brighton, but I imagine a lot of these managers already own Harry Kane, so maybe they're thinking, with Ericsson not... I think you mentioned Wonderpoz he hasn't got an assist since game week two or something daft like that with him not getting those attacking points 
it's understandable that people are looking at um, the likes of Salah and also Hazard. He's the third most transferred in player. And I talked about Hazard a lot earlier, um, how I'm thinking about bringing him in. He's still a massive differential. He's only got 6.6% ownership and he's had three goals and three assists in his last five games. Yeah, uh, been brought in by 50,000 people so far. I'm guessing they were just waiting for waiting for the Liverpool game to go out of the way. Um, I guess people. Uh, I mean, I was looking at Hazard before uh, before Kaku absolutely blanked. Um, yeah, I guess that number can only rise, right, ahead of uh, Tuesday's uh, next round of fixtures. Yeah, definitely, he's going to rise and rise, and, it, and it's, uh, it's no surprise really at all. I think um, in terms of uh, cheaper midfielders, we're seeing um, transfers in also still for Richarlison. Obviously, you mentioned him and, and Gross as well. So Gross has had over 36,000 transfers in this game week. Um, Loftus-Cheek, he's finally um, making some movements in the market as well. He's had over 20,000 transfers in, and it seems like the, the man being sold um, in the cheap category is Ducore. I think we spoke about him previously. He, he seemed like the Kapue of this season, you know, not having many chances that they seem to be going in. Perhaps his, his time is up in our FPL teams. He's had over 20,000 transfers out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think he, he's one that you can kind of just put in the vault and forget about uh, for, for the foreseeable future. And uh, finally, I guess you've got the injured guys. So a- Abraham sold by thirty-four thousand, even though he played actually a little while for Swansea. Jones being sold by twenty-six thousand, and Stones being sold by twenty-four thousand. So quite a lot of people uh, jumping on, uh, jumping on their F- their teams. And you know, obviously it was a Friday deadline. It looks like that's caught out quite a few people. Yeah, and it looks like once again it's, it's Ward, Stephen Ward. He's he's bringing in all the transfers over twenty thousand. Also, Aspel Equator. I think we're going to talk a little bit later about Aspel Equator doing a comparison with Alonso. But with Stephen Ward, he's still the Burnley um, player that everyone's bringing in. Even though we we think that you should be looking at Ben Mee or um, Tarkowski just because they're offering slightly better value because just because Ward's got a few extra points he seems to be drafting in all those managers even though he's priced at 5.0 and I think you mentioned this in the psychology corner as well didn't you Tom yeah exactly I think it's just availability heuristic there uh, people people just log in and use the use only a tiny bit of information don't want to put in the cognitive effort to look beyond kind of what's in front of them but I think I think this week though Nick uh, we're going to do psychology corner and it's this week's uh, corner is on framing um, so Ed uh, Prokoptis and I have often jokes that numbers are a very flexible concept and uh, it's quest time Nick uh, th- here's an example that uh, Ed wrote for FFS and I want to want to see if, see if you can uh, see if you can tell the difference and uh, oh, give me an answer here we, go. here we go brilliant so player A had an incredible year last season he was in the top 10 midfielders in terms of, atta- of assists and BPS Almost doubled his goal output from the previous season. Generated more goal attempts and big big chances than any other season in his career. 21 years old. Ro- rose in price by 1.0 this year. And could be, you know, an amazing player for, uh, for covered country going forward. However, for player B, things aren't looking so great. Uh, he's playing an advanced midfield role. But his uh, number of assists and total chances created fell relative to 2015-16. Fewer touches per minute than last year. And uh, the midfielders around him seem to be outscoring him. So two of his teammates finished in the top ten midfielders with fancy points last year. And uh, you know he he wasn't as explosive. Uh, despite a high opening price, he only produced one double-digit turn over the first 17 game weeks last year, which proves that he has uh, kind of long droughts. And he didn't end the season very well either. So he uh, produced three blanks and only a single vote bonus point across the last six games. Right, who's player A? Deli Alley. Who's player B? <laughs> um, pass. It's, it's also Delhi Alley, <laughs> and a, a lot of this is related to the principle, to the concept of framing. Um, so framing is a cognitive bias which dictates how people take preferences depending on the way in which data or options are presented. So a loss or gain tends to be the usual difference. We've just used the Alley example. Um, and another example could be, for example, uh, Lukaku's performances. You can say he's returned in three of the five uh, last five games, and there's two points below Kane and Morata at the top of the strikers list with Watford up next. Or you could say Lukaku blanks against Brighton and his failure to score again after last week v Newcastle, which was his first in four games, even with the ideal partner on the field in Pogba, is worrying. Either way, framing is really important and can influence how people judge things in the long run. 
there's something we've parodied a bit as well recently, Nick. So only last week, I think we did a tweet uh, which was doing the rounds, um, in which we said that Sermon was outperforming Hazard uh, this season so far. Uh, obviously, that's not true anymore, but it was for it was last week. And uh, this, of course, is ridiculous given the extent of uh, Eden's lack of uh, lack of involvement because of his broken ankle. But the brain, the framing effect of that, saying that Sermon has more points than Hazard, um, makes people think that you know Sermon's the game factor and Hazard's the loss factor. Um, of course, people like us, um, as in you and me, listener, think think more about this and can see past that kind of rubbish. But for others, this can be utterly internalised as the truth. So I think I just advise whenever you see stats, is to check it out and source and check out the source of data for yourself, or maybe think about think to yourself of another way of presenting that data. It can often be the case that there's more than lies just behind the interpretation of the data you've been presented. It's almost always framed to illustrate a point, and it's just up to you to judge whether it's true or false, or useful or not useful, what you're reading. Because I think that sometimes we can see kind of clickbaity stats which are put out, um, which you know, don't really tell you anything. I mean, have you been noticing that, Nick, as well? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I think a lot of people on Twitter are guilty of this sort of like, you know, try, essentially trying to lure you in with a, a statistic that isn't necessarily true. It's just, you know, manipulated in a, in a certain way to to make you sort of follow your thinking. I think there's, I think there's also you get groupthink a lot of the time where, you know, a lot of people might focus on Sergio Aguero's negative stats, for instance, he has... He's only played once in the last three game weeks. Whilst you can also focus on the positive um, stats, which is he's actually got one of the highest points per game in the game at the moment. Um, so, yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, those are, those are very, very good points. OK, uh, let's take a break and then move on to our community session. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's um, time to have a look at the Who Got the Assist mini league. And if you haven't joined already, the league code is 1538. Dash one seven four zero three. So um, top of the league once again with his power armor on. It's uh, Daniel Tenay with uh, sixty. He got score sixty three points. Another great game week for him. He's now up um, with nine hundred and thirty points, and he's top of the world, which is absolutely amazing to have him in our league. Um, second um, is Ben Sutton, the Terabads. He got fifty eight points in um, this game week, but he's actually uh, ninety nine points behind Damir, even though he's overall rank is 255 in the world so that just proves what a great season Demi is having this season unbelievable unbelievable stuff I mean just looking at this is the first week I think that Demi has not uh, not had the captaincy pick come off for him he captained uh, Lukaku uh, he only got uh, only got the blank obviously so he's only got four but kind of points with everywhere else Hazard Kane Loftus-Cheek Salah Richarlison Kolasinac Daniels and De Gea He's just got such a strong squad. It's a bit, it's a bit like yours, actually, Nick. Um, but he's uh, he's just so far ahead, isn't he, that it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I think he's just going to be uncatchable this season. I mean, even compared to second in the world, uh, Joe McFadden, Jerry Sazza, he's, um, he's 36 points ahead of him. It's just ridiculous at this point in the season. Yeah, so that could really be something going forward. Right, um, yeah. So the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be doing pods like this on a Sunday. Are, they are going to be remote, I'm afraid. Um, uh, I'm going to be in Hong Kong and Singapore um, from Thursday onwards. So they're going to have to be done on Sundays. Um, they're going to have to be done at 6am, I think, my time. So that's going to be absolutely joyous. <laughs> but we'll, we'll do our best to, to make sure we've got you know your steady diet of a podcast coming from us over the next couple of weeks. Um a final kind, of kind of order of business as well as the FPL meetup in London. Uh, it's on the twenty second of December. It's at half past seven. It's at the Sports Bar in Marlebone. Uh, people like Peter Blake, FPL Connect, and the uh, Fans Football Geeks uh, guys going to be there. And um, we'll be watching Arsenal versus Liverpool, and it should be a really good night. So let us know if you're up for it by email or tweet or something like that. Yeah, and uh, shout out as well to the FPL Chat community. You can find them on fplchat.com. It's a great community founded from Reddit. Um, it's a chat room essentially where you can talk to people, uh, particularly useful on match day. You can get um, information on who scored almost straight away. There's also some useful bots um, with price change updates and live score updates. It's worth checking out as well if you're looking for a, a chat community within the FPL world. Yeah, that's uh, using Discord, isn't it? Yeah, through Discord, yeah. Cool. All right, so should we move on to the questions then? Yep. So um, I guess the first question is about Chelsea and their sea of green. 
So two season syndrome, um, and Jamie T have asked us: Is a Chelsea triple up a good a good or a bad idea? Um, <coughs> well, I mean, we've already said we've already said about the Chelsea features being uh, fixtures fixtures being very very good, and I don't know. I I can kind of see the point of having the triple up. But for me, I think the only ones I'd be interested in is uh, Hazard, Alonso, <laughs> and Morata. So having those three uh, seems very pricey. I mean, are, are you doing it? You're doing it, aren't you? Something, yeah, I'm definitely thinking about um, bringing in Hazard, and then I'm going to end up with Morata, Hazard, and Alonso. It's a lot of money to spend on Chelsea, though. It, oh, it is edgy, isn't it? In my side, yeah, exactly. But, I mean... Swansea up next their joint second in terms of shots on target conceded it only seems to be uh, Fabianski that's saving them right now from bigger defeats they did manage the clean sheet against Bournemouth this game week but surely Chelsea's going to be too much for them and you can see you can see easily Alonso, Maranta and Hazard bringing in the returns yeah you can do I mean Hazard himself is looking just so good at the moment um Involved in 57% of Chelsea's goals in the last four. Ten attempts, 90% accurate, compared to his 57, 57% for Salah. 21 touches in the box and 30% conversion. Uh, 1.29 is his XG, which is pretty damn good for a midfielder. Only beaten, actually, out in the Chelsea team by Morata, whose XG is 1.67. But he, Hazard, is just getting... Um, you know, He got that assist, didn't he, at the weekend? And... Uh, was it was in the bonus for that, and it's just it, that wasn't even like a proper assist. It was like he kind of passed it, and then William did the rest. Um, yeah, I think I, that wasn't a real goal, was it? William, I think that was a cross. Somehow it ended up oh, going yeah. in the back of the net. I, I just think with those fixtures, though, I can see how the triple up could be a good idea. It just depends on who else you have in your team and who you don't have in your team, and you know who who you're. Uh, who you're missing out on but in principle because of those fixtures I think it is a great idea I think this links actually to Anand on Facebook uh, who asked um, who the best defender was actually for Chelsea uh, between Alonso, Aspi and Christensen yeah and Lock on Kun on Reddit it's also asked us Alonso or Aspi and um, I'd actually point you in the direction of um, our I'd like to add Proctor. He wrote a fantastic piece in the technical area of Fancy Football Scout, um, the members section, which is uh, well worth a read. I think, in general, we prefer Alonso's greater goal threat, but as for Equator at the moment, he's offering the uh, the bonus points potential. I think Alonso had a great chance to score in the Liverpool match that he managed to sky. He also had a free kick, which was um, close. Aspen Equator, though, would have picked up the bonus points had Liverpool, um, <coughs> had uh, Chelsea not conceded. But Alonso, he's, he's now at 21 shots, which is seven more than any other defender. I think he offers great value considering he's a goal-scoring defender and he offers fantastic potential for, for, for returns. Christensen, I mean, he looks like a great pickup at, at a cheaper price. That's now three Premier League games he's played in a row. But, um, you know, he, he's, um, he obviously, uh, Luis looks like he's had a major fallout with Conte. But Rudiger will still be knocking on the boss's door asking for more game time. But Christensen, I think he is looking quite assured as a defender. Yeah, I think between the two, between the two, um, it's Alonso for me still. Just because, I mean, Azpi's going to get, you know, in the bonus if Chelsea do keep a clean sheet. But, I mean... Yeah, he's assisted for Morata, but he's only get he's only creating a chance once everything's 135 minutes. Um, so I think that it's, it's got to be Alonso because he's gonna the potential to get six points. So I think Chelsea will keep a lot of clean sheets as the baseline, uh, or 15 points if he does get a goal or something like that. So I think I think in terms of what you said about the shots as well, I mean those stats can't really be ignored. And finally for Chelsea, FPL Classico asks us about Fabregas and what our view is on him. The arc assister, I think he's the second highest assist uh, assister in Premier League history. Obviously, he he offers great potential for assists. Um, I think there are better options to be honest at that price point. I think you're looking at Ramsey, aren't you? I I, I think Zaha offers um, greater attacking threat than Fabregas and. And also uh, more nailed on. Fabregas obviously didn't start this um, weekend either, did he? Yeah, I think that's the, that is the worry that he will only play one in two. And yeah, he can come off the like last season. He was coming off the bench a lot and getting assists and things like this. But 
at 6.9, 7.0, I mean, you've got Richarlison sitting there just below it. You've got Gross, who's just coming up 6.0 tonight. Um, you know, you've got uh, Ramsey, who I've probably been getting in. He's got 21 touches in the box or something like that. It's pretty damn decent, actually, Ramsey. Um, and you've got uh, 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 you know, lots of other options who, who could be in for Fabregas. So I think it's probably best not to look at Fabregas, a Chelsea player. But we'll look at him as a 6.9-ish option and then look around. I mean, you mentioned Zahar as well. And I wouldn't be kind of rushing to Fabregas now. Sorry, that's okay. Um, but moving on to 3-5-2. Um, so FPL Guidance, uh, our friend FPL Guidance, is tips FPL on Twitter. Are Swift midfielder scoring? It, are we going to go to 3-5-2 soon? Uh, another way of framing it is asked by FPL Rich, who asks, is it just Morata and Kane up top now? Are those the only two that we might want? And... Uh, the idiots boss on Reddit asks, do we put money into the midfield from now? What do you reckon, Nick? I think the 3-5-2 is actually offering um, a definite option with the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a, a cheaper midfield. And I think I think you, you need to kind of bit, have a bit of flexibility in your team. So if you if you can set up a decent 3-5-2, try and also see if you can set up a decent 3-4-3 or a 4-4-2. So if you maybe you can bring in like the likes of Nias maybe and have him as your, your bench striker or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you can sort of have a sort of a Nias... Um, RLC rotation going on or even um, Wilson as well as a possible bench option and if you have like a Burnley and a Bournemouth defender alongside a couple more premium defenders you can you can bring in a bit of rotation so um, when you know during these sort of game weeks where a lot of players may not play you can you can have a bit more flexibility with your formations yeah yeah I think so I think 3-5-2 as long as the I mean, obviously the the Victor and Nietzsche be four point five defender the striker is probably the ideal, but yeah, I mean three five two at the moment does it's starting to look a bit viable. You've got kind of the key men stepping up for several teams who happen to be midfielders. Obviously, you've got Salah. Obviously, you've got one of the City boys, perhaps. You've got Richarlison. You've got Ramsey. Uh, you've got Chupe Moting. Um, you've got Grace as well. Yeah, and you've got Pogba as well coming back into play. Um, all of these players, um, you could easily make a five-man midfield, I think, and just be happy with it. Um, in terms of our Kuna, Kane and Morata, sorry, being the two, um, I can't see past that actually. I mean, Morata's got the fixtures, and he's also got the kind of the, the goal-scoring poacher ability. I mean, and Kane is just Kane. <laughs> that's, that's basically all I can say. I know it sounds absolutely facile and stupid, but. You've spoken about it ad nauseam already, I think, Nick, just kind of the fear factor that Kane carries and the fact that if you get rid of him, you're going to want him back and the fact that he is he is Poch's number one choice to be on the field every single game if he could. Um, and yeah, the first I, I, strikers I, are really not, not coming through. Definitely, and I think um, I've talked a lot in the last few um, game weeks about the power front three. It's something that I've been experimenting with for the last five or six game weeks. It actually paid off quite well for me. But um, with uh, Jesus being rotated and Kun being rotated, Lukaku looking out for him, um, Lacazette, I guess he could be considered a power striker. He, he's um, not done enough to kind of make us think about him. It is time to, to kind of ditch it and, and look at the cheaper strikers. And I guess that moves us on to our next um, question, which was um, from Marco Alotti. He's asked us um, who, the, who the best first striker is in a 3-5-2. And um, Jamie T's also asked us, and Stephen Toomey as well on Twitter, he's asked us, do we need to see more from... Charlie Austin before Nija came into the lineup, and I think um, there's a few others um, out there. Wilson, Murray, we're going to talk about, and Abraham. Yeah, uh, FPL Awesome also asked about this, and so did uh, James Whitley on Facebook. And um, yeah, there, there, there are definitely a few options. The problem is, I think Nick is that they've only just come into view, and uh, some like me, for example, jumped uh, a bit early, so I jumped on Wilson, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he scored a hattie from five shots, and it's it's just not really... It, at the moment, you can't say that there's enough behind it to really convince you. I think it's the same with Austin. Like, in answer to Stephen's question, I don't think you can get in Austin at the moment, just because he's had one game, fair enough. But I, I don't know whether that's enough, that'll be enough, that should be enough to convince me. I mean, <clears throat> obviously I wasn't thinking rationally, I don't think, last weekend when I brought Wilson in. And if I was thinking about it more, I probably shouldn't have done it. And, and obviously the points have shown that I shouldn't have done it. Wilson, you think he might get, he might end up 
Falling Set Sports Defoe being there Austin obviously Gabbiadini the man just just started playing him and Nias and Calvert-Lewin in Jan- come January they're probably going to be looking for an upgrade on those guys and you know, is Nias going to be going to be one who who gets liked by the new manager we just don't know no I mean with Charlie Austin I guess we all had flashbacks to season past during that game with uh, Sigurdsson Bertrand and Tadic all also returning points remind me of a few seasons ago when I had those guys obviously they don't seem like you know real FPL assets at the moment they've been ghouls to our FPL teams haven't they but um, that's actually Austin's first start this season with a 13 point return a couple of goals surely, surely Pellegrino is going to start playing in but they've got tough fixtures Manchester City Bournemouth Arsenal which may sort of quash the appeal of Austin right now uh, Nias suspended for the next game but he's had 76 minutes per goal um, five goals so far this season looks like they're very good value and uh, his teammate you mentioned Calvert-Lewin he's, um, he's now had four assists but only the one goal I think if you're going to bring in one of those guys you need to what I just mentioned about rotation flexibility is have um, you know a fifth midfielder that can play if you want to go for a 3-5-2 um, the one i I think I mentioned earlier, well I did mention earlier, is Glenn Murray, and I think he's the guy that I'm I'm looking at, you know, um, he's had 66% shot accuracy so far, 44% conversion, not not too many shots, but he's had two-headed goals, um, he, he's just deadly in the air, and with, um, with Palace, Liverpool and Huddersfield up next, you can see um, you can see more goals for him in those games with, with the defences of those guys not, not being particularly good, um, yeah. Yeah, I think at this price, I think we, you've just got to be able to jump around and not be too loyal to any players. You know, like basically take your rises and run once the fixtures dry up. So I think th- these players are playing for clubs that the big teams are going to see as a, as a point, uh, as free points. And you know, when they go to places like, for example, Callum Wilson, next three games are Burnley, Southampton, and Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's pretty decent. And then seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, Man United, Liverpool, and Man City. Three fixtures in a row, which are all red on the fixture tracker, and for those fixtures, I you've got to be probably getting rid um, and going somewhere else because for these kinds of these kinds of level of players, unless you've got kind of your Josh King type or you've got your Riyad Mahrez type player who's uh, kind of knocking it out of the park and is completely fixture proof, these guys you've, you've got to be quite flexible with with having them in. So game week seventeen, then you might be looking at a player like Nias and you know having that cheap sense of utility from having a player who's 5.0 rather than 6 and reinvesting that one elsewhere and take, that takes us back all the way to the three point, the three five two question and you know, if you are going to go for a cheap striker then why not just get the cheapest one you can because at the end of the day your policy is to clearly uh, invest that somewhere else on your side yeah, and I've, I've noticed um, you've neglected to mention the super mutant uh, Rondon as well. He, he scored, didn't he? And uh, they've got Newcastle Palace and Swansea up next, so he's another um, potential option. Perhaps one we're not going to go out and recommend, but you know, if you're looking for a, a differential. No, certainly not. I think you've got to get the Radaway out if, if he's in your team, right? Because he's just so toxic. That guy's like a glowing one, and oh, I, I, I can't, I, I can't get behind that Nick ever. Alright, uh, moving on, uh, Liverpool, so Peter Crook asked us, is it time to get in two Liverpool assets now that Salah is kind of a hygiene factor in our squads? Um, you kind of mentioned this a minute uh, earlier on the pod, didn't you? Because you were saying that uh, you know, Liverpool have got West, Bro- uh, sorry, Stoke, Brighton, Everton, West Brom and uh, Bournemouth in the next five. So five very, very good fixtures. And uh, Mane has had his rest now. Um who knows yeah. maybe Salah will have his next uh, but but they seem to you know, be clicking again and we know from past experience that they can be quite deadly when they do definitely I think um, Mane is still coming back from injury so his minutes seem to be being managed a little bit but we know from seasons past how deadly he can be I mean at the beginning of the season he scored three, three games in a row he hasn't scored since game week free but um, you know he's, he's coming back still a little bit from injury so I think um, he's definitely an option at 9.3 obviously there's a Coutinho as well 8.8 at the moment um, scored and assisted against uh, Southampton in game week 12 um, didn't do anything against Chelsea but you know you can definitely see more returns coming from him in the next uh, few game weeks I think they're the two that I would look at I'm, I wouldn't really look at Firmino still I think he's He's susceptible to rotation with Daniel Sturridge up front. He hasn't looked particularly um, 
good this season, to be honest. I, I did want him earlier on in the season, but he's never done enough to, to properly appeal to me. Yeah, I think the first two game weeks he was looking, you know, 8.5. We were thinking, oh, you know, who from Liverpool do we get? Oh, let's get him because he's 0.5 cheaper and obviously there's that stuff going on with Coutinho. But, you know, Salah's basically won. I think, I think the the question is still quite interesting, though, just because, I mean, Salah, if Salah scores and don't have him captain, he's that's basically a zero, isn't it, with regards to how well people are doing. So, you know, if, if Liverpool's attack are absolutely destroying it, then maybe there is a, you know, some sort of... Uh, to, some sort of call for having you know, your Coutinho character I mean 171 points last year Coutinho got or a Mane character um, it could be it could be I mean if you don't think about them as being Liverpool players and just think about them as being attacking assets I think that that could be definitely an interesting road to go down my only concern might be how your the rest of your team will be balanced out if you spent 80 million 90 million on two Liverpool players yeah, I mean, you could always uh, go for one of the defenders. I know, um, you know, Liverpool defence is always a bit of a joke. Everyone kind of makes a bit of a, a joke. But, you know, they haven't actually been too bad in the last uh, four game weeks. They've only uh, they've only actually conceded twice in the last four. I think uh, Ra- I quite like the look of Ragnar Klavan, actually, at 4.3. <laughs> he's, he's a, he seems like a, well, he's a very cheap option as a potential um, fifth or fourth defender in your team that you can rotate around. And um, he seems to have shored up the defence a little bit, so I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off. Um, obviously, Alberto Marino fought as well, 4.6. He's been nailed on. Made a couple of mistakes in the Champions League match, but Klopp seems to forgive him for that, and he had a decent game against Chelsea. Um, Milner, he's been playing a little bit in midfield. Not sure how many minutes. He's a bit too expensive, really, for the rotation risk he presents at 6.1. And there's uh, Joe Gomez as well at 4.6. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I could touch the midfield, uh, the defence. Sorry, I think it would have to be the midfield and have to be one of Coutinho and uh, and Mane. I just, uh, I don't know. At the moment, I've kind of, kind of be, I kind of prefer my kind of Sterling, Richarlison, Salah, Loftus Cheek, and then whoever else fits in there at about the seven to eight mark. And I think kind of the final question this week, Nick. Uh, Renny Ribeiro on Facebook uh, asks, which keepers we prioritise over over Christmas? especially with Spironi owners like yourself disappointed by his benching this week well I, th- I think we're just going to have to stick with Elliot for the moment personally um, unless we have to because I think we, at this point in the season you're going to have to take if you want to upgrade your goalkeeper you're going to end up looking at hits aren't you to to get them up to fund the money so I think um, yeah. Elliot 4.1 he's, he's probably nailed on for the entire season unless he gets dropped it was disappointing Spironi not playing, and I probably I will fix it at some point. Maybe um, you know, there's the likes of Lee Grant and Stoke. Um, he's playing at the moment, isn't he? But I, I just don't know. De Gea is probably a little bit too expensive, and I think it would just require too many downgrades in my midfield and attack, which I, I don't want to do. So I'm just going to hope that um, Newcastle can sort their defence out. Maybe once Lascelles is back, there'll be a bit more defensive solidity. They've got West Brom up next, so there's, a, there's definitely a potential for a clean sheet there. Yeah. Um I think you're right, and I think at the moment there are just so many. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been rocking cruel uh, Rene for since game week six, and he hasn't he hasn't set foot on the pitch for, for me, nor indeed for Brighton. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is sailing close to the wind, but I think you can get away with Elliot. Um, I mean, I I am looking at replacing him. I'm always open to replacing him. I think, but at the moment there's and always other kind of uh, fires to put out. So. So yeah, I'm afraid that it may be the case we just have to suck it up and just be uncomfortably comfortable with the fact we've got Elliot in our goal. Right, um, who, who's your captain this week? Andrew Sime asks, what back-to-basics advice you would give for captain, captaining? And, uh, you know, we've both gone for Kane. Uh, both went for Kane this weekend and did fairly well out of that. It was kind of the straightforward captain, I think, of West Brom. So who are you going to be captaining uh, in, in the midweek then, Nick? Well, at the moment, I've got Morata. I might be tempted by Hazard if I bring him in. There are a few other options, I guess. Um, Kane against Leicester. You've seen that Kane's performance better away from home all season, so he could easily get a haul against Leicester. Um, there's also Lukaku against Watford. Watford defence hasn't been particularly impressive, so you know he, he may get a return, but I think a lot of people probably will be avoiding him for this game week. Um, uh, so I think the best, your best bet is probably one of the uh, Chelsea attackers. 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, I mean my transfers are kind of linked. I'm probably I'm going to be getting rid of Lukaku and bringing in Morata. I think this evening uh, to try to catch the rise. Um, I know it sounds a bit a bit preppy, but I've, I don't think there's any indication that Morata's uh, injured or anything's going to happen with him. Uh, there was kind of a, a bit of a story that he was going to be dropped for the Liverpool game, which obviously didn't come to fruition. And uh, with Batshuayi, I believe, injured as well, um, he's going to be playing maybe man- a managed minutes kind of thing going forward. But you know, I, I, I think uh, I was looking at Hazard kind of bringing him, bringing him in, and you know, taking Sterling out and downgrading Richie to a four point five and all this kind of lots, thing. Lots but, of tinkering there, Tom. I, old Tinker Tom there. Um, are you thinking about taking a hit then this game week, or will be the first one in a while without a hit? No, I think I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably going to not take a hit again, aren't I? So I think uh, Lukaku can go for Morata, and I think that frees up a lot of money. Um, I've got Matt Ritchie still uh, still not performing and not doing anything, so I'm going to take him out. I've got I've got about eight point nine, so just below uh, bringing in Sana. Um, my eye's been caught, as I've said a few times on the pod already, uh, by Aaron Ramsey. Uh, Huddersfield up next, got an assist by being fouled this week at Burnley. Um, but quite an integral player to us, I think, in terms of the uh, the new formation. So, um, yeah, yeah, quite nice over Christmas. I'm hoping for 7.0. Nice differential, 6.1%. Uh, but Huddersfield, Man United, Southampton, West Ham, Newcastle, Liverpool, Crystal Palace and West Brom are the next kind of seven or eight fixtures there. And this could be the kind of the, the, the period that we have our... Uh, upsurge in form before inevitably around January losing to Watford or something like that uh, what changes okay. are you making this week well I've, I've got a couple of options last game week I was, I was very conservative again I, I just messed around and did Carol to sermon didn't really know what to do with my transfers the um, I was the dangerous option the risky option that game week was ditching Sterling and bringing in Pogba so I'm actually quite glad I didn't do that am I going to make that mistake this game week uh, I, I'm not sure the um, the other option I guess the conservative boring option would be to ditch um, Vimmer because Kevin Vimmer got zero points even though he's playing Crystal Palace you know I don't I think Vimmer watch is going to be no more perhaps um, bring in the guy I just mentioned Ragnar Klavan and just, uh, just have him in my team yeah, you know have a really, a really, really strong 15 not, not John Joe Kenny I don't think I can touch Everton right now no, you know it's no. Southampton like scoring so many goals against them it's, and that's a team that can't score for Toffee but managed to score against the <laughs> Toffees yeah literally um, makes me not interested in him at all uh, but I think I quite like the look of Clarvin in defence and I think he could offer um, another rotation option so that's that's one option or it's just the nuclear option I mentioned earlier and get rid of the City guys and uh, and uh, bring in Murray and Hazard so if you think that's completely daft Feel free to flame us on Twitter, flame me on Twitter and say you're an idiot, Nick, don't make that move and uh, I'll take your views into consideration. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to set the world on fire, but yeah, I, I'm not too sure about those moves take out of City, but, but we will see. So there's also a theme to every pod. Um, last week's theme was uh, Dark Punk and congratulations once again to Andy Goodland for getting it. Um, we've mixed up the theme a little bit, it's not a musical uh, theme this this week you may have noticed some various references but we'll, we'll give you a little clue it's, it's for a video game so um, if you can pick up on it uh, drop us a Twitter message or an email and uh, we'll give you a shout out on the pod if you're first yeah as long as you're part of our enclave who knows um, so that's it that's the end of the pod for tonight we are Who Got The Assist find us at whogotassist.com uh, on Twitter at WGT underscore FPL uh, you can find us on iTunes find us on Stitcher find us on SoundCloud Acast anywhere that you can get your podcast we're likely to be there and if we're not there let us know and we will put ourselves there um, our lead code is 15381740 and um, we'll be doing an intercontinental pod next Sunday won't we Nick <laughs> Yeah, because you're off to Hong Kong. I am, so uh, we'll be speaking to you from there. Uh, hopefully, uh, the internet will be good enough to be able to do it. Um, in that time, uh, game week 14 midweek games will have happened, and game week 15 will have just will have just happened as well. So hopefully, we'll have quite a lot to talk about then. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Yeah, we hope this assists you. Bye. Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.